the following tips can help rebalance insulin levels without having to cut out loads of food so that you can begin to tune back into your body and trust the signals it's sending to you. It's all about gradual steps without an expectation of perfection because awareness without judgment or critique but with built-in time for reflection tuning into your body and gentleness and kindness towards yourself is what really works to change your eating in the long term. Welcome to the Yo-Yo Freedom Podcast. This is the place to learn actionable step-by-step tools and strategies to help you stop binging or overeating and start feeling relaxed and confident around food so that you can show up for your life on your terms. I'm Gemma Keyes and I know firsthand what it's like to feel out of control around food and trapped in the pain of binge eating and body shame. There is a way out. Keep listening to discover your path to food freedom. Welcome. I know I always say that, but it really is wonderful to have you here. Today, we're going to begin to explore hormone balance, especially in relation to hunger and fullness. But I want to start out by saying this isn't an episode telling you what to do or dishing out any new rules. Instead, it's intended as an overview of another reason hunger and cravings can arise, which is when one hormone in particular is out of whack, along with some steps that you can take if you want to that can help you rebalance. So it's really not about giving you new food rules because I wonder how many food rules you have in your head already. I still seem to have loads of old ones knocking around, which sometimes stick around for much longer than I want them to. And I guess that's because I've lived a few decades now and absorbed all these different messages, including during the four years I spent at uni and working in hospitals while I studied nutrition and dietetics way back in the 90s. And (laughs) ideas and nutritional science have definitely moved on since then. Although some areas um, like hormones have stayed very similar. So if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you've been exposed to many, many rules surrounding different ways of eating that are supposedly optimum. Just off the top of my head, uh, examples are low fat, which is still really prevalent, especially in mainstream slimming clubs. Then there's low carb, high fat or high protein or no sugar, no flour or no refined foods at all, or then there's paleo, or vegan, or whole food, plant-based, and endless more. And how many conflicting messages and rules are mushed up, even in just that lot? At the same time, maybe you found some of those ideas really helpful and supportive, and others not so helpful. So today isn't about following one and not another, but it's about understanding a little bit of what's going on inside your body so that you can notice more of what does feel supportive and keep moving towards it. We're going to look at what happens inside our bodies when we eat, starting by focusing on the hormone insulin. Now, 
I'm not a doctor and I'm definitely not going to try and get super sciencey and technical, but it's still really valuable information to be aware of. So what are hormones? Well, hormones are a type of chemical messenger that travels around our body to control our internal physiological processes. Everything about human metabolism or the chemical processes that occur inside our bodies in order to maintain our lives is regulated by hormones. We're going to start with a look at the hormone insulin because it's a really great one to understand as it's linked so closely to hunger and fullness, to cravings and also to body fat storage. The next question then is, what does insulin do? Well, insulin, like I said, is one of the hormones that's essential to life and it helps move the energy from much of the food we eat, in particular carbohydrates like pasta, bread, potatoes, and also cookies, ice cream, chocolate, sweets and crisps. It helps move that energy from the food into energy that our bodies can use. The energy we need to do things like moving and breathing and thinking and pumping blood and generally being alive. After we've eaten, the food is broken down in our bodies and a large proportion enters the bloodstream as sugar in the form of glucose. Rather than that sugar continuing to hang around in our blood, insulin helps move it into other cells in the body where it can be transformed into energy to perform all of those critical tasks. I like to think of it as a bit like a school bus. There's a pretty huge secondary school in the town I live in and there are always tons of kids milling around at 8am in the morning and they need to get to school. So you can imagine it can be useful if school buses arrive to pick them up and take them to school where they can actually get down to the serious business of learning. Blood sugar is a bit like those kids hanging around and waiting for a ride chatting and kicking the curb and maybe still half asleep and insulin is like the school bus it picks them up and it takes them to school which is where they need to be so they can engage in their lessons and do exams and all the things the more kids are waiting the more buses are needed to take them into school and it's really similar similar with insulin the more carbohydrates we eat especially ones that are in the foods that you might feel a little bit more out of control around like bread or chips or cookies or ice cream the more glucose is in our blood so more insulin is released to transport that glucose out of the blood and into the cells where it can actually be used as an energy source The next question is, why does insulin even matter to people who are struggling with binge eating or feeling out of control around food? Well, if there's a big sugar dump in our blood, usually due to eating lots of the foods that are so commonly binge foods like cake or cookies or bread or crisps and chocolate or sweets, we're much more likely to have an insulin spike. So going back to the school bus analogy, the more kids that flood out of their houses at the exact same time, the more buses are needed to scoop them all up. 
And when there are lots of those school buses or when insulin levels are high, as I touched on earlier, it can affect hunger and cravings and how we store and utilise the fuel in our bodies. So let's start with hunger and cravings. When insulin levels are low, we feel hungry and then we start accessing fuel or energy from our body's reserves. In other words, we can start using fat or energy stored in our muscles or in the liver. When that energy is accessed, hunger levels go down again. That's one of the reasons that if hormones are balanced, hunger comes in waves. It sort of peaks and then recedes. But when there's a big dump of glucose or sugar in the blood and insulin levels increase, there's also an increase in hunger. It's more difficult to feel full because another hormone that registers fullness or satiety, a hormone called leptin, is blocked by insulin. So in other words, when insulin is high, our brain doesn't get the hormonal message of fullness and to stop eating. Along with more hunger and less of a sense of having had enough food, more sugar and insulin in our blood also increases levels of a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which leads to increased cravings, cravings for more sugar or refined and processed carbs. I won't go into dopamine and cravings too much here, but if you'd like to hear more about those topics, the dopamine and the cravings and how they link and what you can do about that, go back and listen to episode eight, How to Cope with an Urge, part one. I'll link to it in the show notes at yoyofreedom.com 17 so that you can go right there. And the final impact of high insulin that I'm going to mention here is that it switches the body into energy storage mode. That means that rather than using the stores of energy already held in the body, high insulin causes us to seek out more food. So high insulin or insulin spikes lead to more hunger, fewer messages to stop eating when you've had enough, and prevents access to energy stores already held in the body in the form of body fat. That's a lot, right? And I'm guessing you can kind of see why high levels of insulin is one of the things that makes feeling out of control around food all the more likely. In fact, hormones have way more of an influence than willpower over what we eat. They literally drive the balance inside our bodies in a way that's outside our conscious control. So sometimes, rather than beating ourselves up, (laughs) Well, actually, always, instead of beating ourselves up, because those mean, critical, self-blaming thoughts very rarely have a positive outcome. But instead of thinking it's our fault and that there's something wrong with us, there actually might be something else going on at a physiological level. And that's something could be to do with out-of-whack hormones, which throw your body out of balance and towards seeking out more and more food. Because insulin spikes are often caused by eating lots of our go-to binge foods, we can put so much pressure on ourselves to just stop eating them. But it's not quite as simple as that, right? If it was easy to stop, if information was all we needed to stop binging and to feel in control around food, then we'd have done it already. 
the first time I discovered all this information about the impact of insulin, I thought, right, no more sugar or flour or processed food. I'm changing everything and resetting my insulin levels to low and I'll have fixed my eating and my weight and life will be all around peachy. I wonder if that strong pull towards an all or nothing perfectionist 180 degree about turn sounds eerily familiar to you too because it's just so common when food has been or continues to be a struggle. As you can probably imagine, my complete about turn worked for a while, but one slip, which was probably a Mars bar or a bag of chips after a night out, and the house of cards slowly came tumbling down. It was as if the all switched back over to nothing and before I knew it, I was back binging again, as so often happens when any of us impose these food police style rules on ourselves. My guess is you might have tried going cold turkey on sweet things, refined carbs, processed foods or anything else that gets bad rap more than once in the past. And maybe you've also found those types of switches to end up being just another rule that lasts for a short time, but ends up layering on more diet shame and more feelings of failure. I totally know how tempting it is to go down that route, but it's also worth taking a moment to notice whether that's been a strategy that's lasted in a sustainable way or that's created ease for you. If the answer to that question is no, then instead I'm going to offer a few suggestions that can help you begin to ease down those high insulin levels without having to make all the changes at once to everything you eat. The following tips can help rebalance insulin levels without having to cut out loads of food so that you can begin to tune back into your body and trust the signals it's sending to you. It's all about gradual steps without an expectation of perfection because awareness without judgment or critique but with built-in time for reflection tuning into your body and gentleness and kindness towards yourself is what really works to change your eating in the long term. This first tip can be really effective and it's to choose something that you might binge on or overeat often and to swap it out for something similar but that contains more whole food ingredients with names that you actually recognise and fewer ingredients that look like a list of chemicals from a laboratory. This option offers a tweak so that Even if or as you continue to eat the food, perhaps in just as large quantities as before, the insulin spikes are a little bit lower. You're likely to feel less hunger and register more satisfaction and satiety. And there's more chance of supporting your body that little bit more in easing off the the cravings roller coaster. As an example, one of the things I used to binge on was chocolate brownies and So one of the early changes I made was to make myself raw chocolate brownies. And I chose raw brownies, not for anything virtuous, but because there was no cooking involved. So it just made it super easy for me. 
they were still sweet and delicious and moist and just amazing but the recipe had more nuts and dried fruit and was just a bit more nutritious and it had more whole foods in there. To start with I still ate more than I needed like a lot more but I noticed it was a little different from my old brownie binges. I felt fuller more quickly and that feeling lasted for longer. There was less brain fog and exhaustion and also my mood didn't plummet in the same way. It really helped me become that little bit more aware of what was going on in my body and it gave me a bit more space to reflect rather than having so many of those desperate nothing will get in the way cravings for more chocolate and cake. So if your thing is bread or crisps or ice cream or cookies have a look around, see if you can find an easy replacement either to make at home or something that's already available in the shops. Just experiment and see if it helps you feel that little bit more balanced. The next tips are from the brilliant scientist Jesse Inchalspe and they each offer a simple and accessible way that you can reduce those insulin spikes without having to suddenly change everything about your eating. Again, you might like to just experiment with and see if any land well with you, because if they're easy and they feel good, well, it's the very best way of keeping going with anything. These are my favourite three techniques from Jesse to even out insulin. Number one is that the order you eat your food in really does make a difference. By eating veggies first and the sugary food or the bread or the cake last, insulin levels won't spike so high. So no matter what you're eating, starting with veggies and salads will help you ease hunger and cravings. The second tip is to have a little something extra with dessert or sugar or refined carbs. So Some examples here might be having chocolate cake with a couple of spoonfuls of plain Greek yogurt or bread with butter or cheese or Doritos with hummus. Jesse calls it clothing your carbs, which is a really quirky way of thinking about it. And it's kind of fun too, right? So remember to clothe your carbs and that will help even out those insulin levels. And this last one I absolutely love as it has the double whammy of evening out insulin levels and creating a time of transition after eating because switching from eating to stopping eating is often a particular challenge for binge eaters and one that I'm guessing you might recognise. So Jess's tip is to take a walk after eating because your body is moving and energy is being used by your muscles and in other places in your body. So even with a short walk, insulin levels will even out as the glucose in your blood is used up. And notice none of these suggestions involve radically changing what you eat or cutting anything out forever or being perfect all the time. But They do offer ideas of things to experiment with so that you can begin to tune into the foods that make you feel good rather than those that create more hunger or cravings or energy flags. So it just adds to the process of noticing what's going on for you. And 
recognizing those foods is also something I talk more about back in episode five, finding foods that work for you. So I will also link that in the show notes at yoyofreedom.com forward slash 17. So there you have it, a basic overview of how one hormone in particular, insulin, can influence your hunger, cravings and feelings of physical satisfaction. And I really invite you to sidestep my automatic reaction when I first found out this information, which was to say, right, I'm going to change everything. I'm never going to so much as look at a birthday cake ever again. Maybe this time can be an opportunity for a different kind of fresh start, a continuing and unfolding process of tuning back into your body, watching out for how different foods make you feel, and just noticing what helps you feel slightly better. Try something, see how it goes, how it fits in with you and your life, and if it feels good, do more of it. And if you'd like more ideas of different ways to help you pull away from binge eating or feeling out of control about food, check out my free guide, Eight Simple Strategies to Break the Binge Eating Cycle. You can download your copy in the show notes at yoyofreedom.com forward slash 17. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Yo-Yo Freedom podcast for more insight, tools and support as you pull back from binging and overeating and step into your most authentic, vibrant life. If you found this episode helpful, it would be wonderful if you'd take a moment to rate the Yo-Yo Freedom podcast on whichever platform you listen on. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now.